This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. I will not lie, I have been looking forward to this conference preview since we got started, if only because I knew that I would have to prep just a little bit less for it. Uh, We are talking all things SEC today, and I mean, we know this conference like the back of our hands, but also that could lead to a lot of overthinking. Uh, Before we get into that preview, I need to introduce my co-host. My name is Madison. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is uh, obviously comes a little bit easier for the both of us as you hit on. Um, and this is it's the best conference in the world. Who who doesn't want to uh, talk about the uh, the best teams in the best conference? So, um, you know, excited to dive in. I am a little bit worried about what you said. You know, you can. Some, I, I certainly can overanalyze things at times. I'm going to try and keep it pretty simple for you all today. But, man, we've got I think tomorrow, I think from one day or two weeks from tomorrow is our first football Saturday week zero. So, uh, this thing's fastly, uh, you know, quickly approaching and, and it's time to, to knock out this final big bad conference and, uh, get the show on the road. It feels like football season, uh, football season's upon us. All right, Pierce. So we have been doing these previews alphabetically, but you threw me a little bit of a curveball here with the sec, nothing against you, Nashvilleians, nothing against you, smart, fine folk, from the university, or I'm sorry, Vanderbilt University. We don't have a lot to say about them. And it felt a little bit um, of a disservice to the listeners to start with Alabama and end with Vanderbilt. You go from probably the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. So we're going to go ahead and start with them. They do play in week zero. I think they're the lone SEC team to do so. So it is a little fitting, uh, starting off in Hawaii, in fact, which is going to be that. I mean, hey. Good for the good for the nerds. Go ahead, let you get get you some sun, uh, and then come back and, and play in a very brutal schedule. Twenty twenty one Pierce Clark Lee's first season at the helm for the Commodores, obviously being his alma mater, a, a job he has wanted for a long time, openly has campaigned for. So you love that because you don't want to necessarily have somebody who's going to come in, give you a few years, and try to you know or 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 half butt it, if you will. Um, very tough year for him in his first campaign there as the Commodores head coach. Two lone wins on the season, and they were close ones. One at Colorado State in Fort Collins. They did have UConn, probably the worst of the worst of the FBS, come to town, and they beat them as well. But other than that, just a bunch of goose eggs, including a couple of blowout losses where they didn't even score a point. Um, this year, I don't know if it gets much better. I, I'd love to hear you kind of take us through, you know, Ken Seals is back. That's a name to know. Um, but you know, it's, it's Ken Seals. Uh, they, like I said, do start their season at Hawaii. Then if they're going to beat the over, uh, two and a half, if you're going to place that bet, you got to hope that they win early, Hawaii, Elon, Wake Forest, Northern Illinois. Then they get into the crux of their schedule. They pull from the West, Alabama and Ole Miss. Those are going to be tough, tough, tough games for them. Uh, Two and a half is the over under. One, would you touch this with a 10-foot pole? And two, is that a good line for them? Or do you think that 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 might be undershooting what they might be capable of? 
No, I think it's pretty spot on because I, I'm I'm looking at this schedule and and you said the first four games. I mean, Wake Forest is obviously now they do they. It looks like they're going to catch Wake Forest without Sam Hartman. So that that certainly is a uh, is a good thing for Vandy. Um, but it's not like they're a better football team than Wake Forest. So I see that as being a pretty easy loss for them to to just write down on the schedule. And then Northern Illinois is a sneaky good team, I, and and they have to go to Northern Illinois. So I think they're looking at the first two games, and if they don't win those, you know, if they, they, they've got to get those two to have a chance. And then it's all about upsetting one foe. And I, I really don't see that upset happening. I, I would touch this. I would touch this um, and, and get, play the under. I think it's a pretty easy bet this year. Listen, Clark Lee is coming in here. He knew he had a very big uphill battle. This was not a Vandy team that was, he was inheriting from, uh, you know, James Franklin, where there was already some talent in the program. He had kind of had some mojo going. This is a team that has really been in the in 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 the you know in the basement for the last what six seven years, and so he was inheriting a very tough situation. But you're right; he is a Vandy fan, a Vandy guy. Went to Vandy, um, grew up here in Nashville. Uh, went to a very prominent high school here, um, Montgomery Bell Academy. Played football there, as and then went on to play scholarship at Vandy. He kind of knows this area, knows what it takes. Um, in the past when Vandy has done well, kind of what it takes. He's seen that firsthand. I, I, you know, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot. And certainly, man, if they could win two games this year, those first two against Hawaii and Elon, and then pull off one upset, I'm just saying one and go three wins. I mean, that's a huge, huge stepping stone and building block that Clark, Clark Lee can then go out to recruits here and in, in, in a state in Tennessee, that's only getting better with talent as more people, as the city of Nashville is expanding and more and more people, from Atlanta and from other south- southeastern cities are moving to Nashville or Memphis or wherever uh, that you're seeing the talent has increased year after year for the last decade. So I think, you know, there are diamonds in the rough to be had there and, and good prospects that know what Vandy's about and know how it's a great school in a great city. Um, and it's a great campus and, and you, you get everything you could want. It's just the football team, you know, is, isn't thought of as an Alabama or Georgia or Florida or you name it um, or Tennessee, maybe is a better example in the state, but you know, it's an uphill battle. I do think Vandy takes an improvement this year. I don't think they're, I mean, they have 14 returning starters, which you hit on. You know, yes, Ken Seals hasn't taken that jump. I, I, you know, freshman year, you saw flashes. And then last year, he was really, he, he really struggled. And, and Mike Wright played a lot, uh, another young QB. So they have options at QB. They do bring back a good running back. The O-line is going to be an issue, but Clark Lee seems to feel a lot better about that than spring ball. So, you know, I think they're going to be improved, but you hit the nail on the head. They've got one of the toughest schedules in all of college football, and that just doesn't bode well for a team that's already going to struggle to get two, three wins. Uh, and now they got to go to Bama and to Georgia. I don't see it lining up. I'm going under two and a half. Yeah, it's uh, you kind of it'd be a very interesting offseason podcast. Obviously, we are two kids that grew up in the Nashville area, have seen it boom, and Vanderbilt football just hasn't been able to catch any momentum. And 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 I think it, partially that has to do with the fact that every conference is just going to have that school that's left in the dust. And I hate to say that, but in the same way that the Big Ten adds Rutgers, and what have they done? I mean, they're getting better, but still, it's Rutgers. Uh, you know, you've got uh, – or you could throw out Northwestern, or, you know, the, the Big T- 12 has Kansas. You know, it's just – there's just always going to be somebody who's left in the dust, but Vanderbilt is sticks out because maybe because they play in the SEC, but it'd be a really interesting offseason podcast to to wonder, especially in the day and age of NIL, 
why would these kids not want to go to Nashville? What do they have to do to to gain some momentum? Is it an academic thing? Is it a lack of, uh, you know, buy-in from alumni who might be able to provide some NIL money and incentive for kids to, to go to Vandy? But it, it's the same thing, same song and dance every single year. And they'll be lucky to score a point when they go down to Bryant Denny. And I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's not looking good. So for them. I got one thing. I got one question for yep. you. Maybe it's it, it'll actually be a multiple questions uh, kind of wrapped into one. And that is, you know, you look back and 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 remember when Vandy before James Franklin even, uh, you know, they were struggling to win a couple games a season. You remember every year they played Kentucky and that was usually to see who was, you know, wasn't going to be the, the worst team in the conference or at least on the eastern side. Do you think that the downfall of Vandy basketball has played a big part in, in their football team struggling to get back. Cause, cause hear me out. Kentucky's really you. turned things around and mind. it's because basketball is such a big deal at Kentucky. It still generates buzz. You know, that fan base is ravenous. And I think with Vandy or with Vandy basketball struggling the last decade, I think it's really the, the appeal of, of not being able to see the fan base bought in to a big sport like basketball that's forward facing it might be their one of their biggest hurdles. And and that's crazy to think that basketball is why Vandy struggle. But you know, think about it. you can get kids that that hey look, look at our basketball school. Look at look at what they look at the fans come out for them and how ravenous they are and it's a big deal. We can get that here. We got that here. It's already built in. Come here and we can set that up. I agree with you 100%. And before you even said is the downfall, I thought, well, what's the difference between the two? The difference between the two is Kentucky's got that allure of at least they have a sport. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you you understand that Vandy is one of the cream of the crop, right? But like that's not really going to cause a lot of traction from a national standpoint. Um, you know, especially from some of these people who live in South Alabama, uh, you know, South Florida and stuff like that who you know, they don't they don't watch baseball necessarily, you know, whatever. So, um I think that I think that there's a direct correlation there. I agree with you. Um, and I think that you see it when when a team does well in March Madness in the same way that if they make the playoffs or or, or even win the national championship in football, these schools will talk about what influx of applications they receive. It just gets more popular. It becomes t- tip of tongue for everybody na- nationwide. And to your point, Vandy basketball being irrelevant for the last decade, I think that has hurt them with their recruiting because, you know, at least if you go there for football, it's like, well, they're, they've, they've, there's a excitement there with the fan base and with people, maybe my hometown of like, Oh, you're going to, you're getting recruited by Vandy football. They've got that really good basketball team. And you're like, yeah, they do. You know? So I fascinating, fascinating case study. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and like I said, we maybe, maybe we'll do an off season podcast talking about that. Let's talk about a team that has no hurt when it comes to their football program. And now it's becoming with their basketball program, too. And that would be the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fell just short in 2022 of winning it all, obviously, when they lost to Georgia in that rematch from the SEC Championship. But for a moment, it seemed like Alabama might be inevitable. They did lose early in College Station to Texas A&M. First time Nick Saban has lost to an assistant. Then obviously, like I said, go through, run run through the SEC, including beating Georgia very convincingly in the SEC championship. And it just kind of felt like, okay, well, here we go. Alabama's going to win the national championship again. Bryce Young wins the Heisman. 
they do fall short. But that being said, they are your probably, I mean, you're, you're here in Ohio State, you're here in Bama, but a lot of people think this is going to be Bama's to lose and uh, rebuilding year aside, excuses, excuses, um, they are all betting that this is going to be a, a repeat Alabama, uh, what's the word, revenge tour. Uh, Bryce Young could potentially win the Heisman again. I think that's a bigger long shot than Alabama winning the national championship. I think it would be tough to see a repeat. I don't necessarily think the voters are going to do that, but if they have a good season uh, and CJ Stroud trips up a little bit, could be his to lose as well. They're over under Pierce 10 and a half. Nothing really sticks out to me as super challenging when I look at their schedule. Uh, they get A&M at home this year, uh, which I think is going to help them. Uh, yeah, I mean, they go to LSU, but I don't think LSU is necessarily back and going to cause too much of a scene. They do have to go to Ole Miss this year, but is Ole Miss going to be much of a, you know, they're in a little bit of a rebuilding situation as well. So 10 and a half, that means they're basically going undefeated, but I mean, who do they lose to? 10 and a half. Wow. I'm surprised it's not 11 and a half because 10 and a half means they can lose one. I mean, if, if, if I can get a 10 and a half line, then I'm going to hammer this in, in with my real hard earned money. Um, 10 and a half is way too low. Could I see this team slipping up and losing a game? Not really yet. I, I kind of can because Alabama teams in the past that have won national championships have slipped up. Um, but I don't see it this year because of the leaders they have at particular positions. Certainly the Texas game is going to be a fun one. That second week, that's one to watch out for. I think they get it done there, and I think they probably win pretty handily. I don't think Texas – I think Texas is going to improve throughout the season. I don't think they're going to be ready to compete with the likes of Alabama in week two. I think the two games you got to look out for are Arkansas and Tennessee. Two road games with A&M sandwiched inside of that and in between those two. You, you go to Arkansas, that could be a look-ahead spot going with A&M coming to town the following week. That's a scary one. And then coming off a hard, uh, you know, two hard games against Arkansas and A&M, very physical games, you then go to Tennessee, who might be able to put up some points on you. So don't count those two games out as far as, you know, legit tough games for Alabama on the season. Otherwise, I think this team, uh, you know, I think this team does go undefeated. I think this team does get back to national championship. They only return 12 starters, which is actually, um, uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot more. I mean, that that's one of the lowest since or in the SEC this year, and yet it's the most they've had returning since 2013. So, um, you know, they do get A&M at home. That's obviously a big thing. They lost their top running back and their top two receivers. I think something interesting with this Alabama team is that they've really hit the transfer, por- transfer portal hard this year. Yes, they did lose some players, but in a quote-unquote rebuilding year last year, if you were rebuilding last year, last year was the year to bring in transfers, and they didn't bring in the air as many transfers. Now they're bringing in transfers coming off a rebuilding year. Makes me think that at some of their key positions that have really been you know, crucial factors in them winning national championships in the years past, maybe they didn't hit on some of those guys, and those freshmen and sophomores are not looking like what they thought they were going to be because they had to bring in two receivers in, uh, in Harrell from Louisville, Tyler Harrell, and Jermaine Burton from Georgia. They had to go get another running back, and Alabama's usually flush with running backs with Jameer Gibbs uh, from Georgia Tech. They had to go get another cornerback, which usually they're, they excel with the DB spot. They had to go get Eli Ricks. Um, obviously, they brought Toto over uh, you know, before last season. So very interesting to see Alabama tra- you know, going after this many transfers. Obviously, if you can get the, the most talented transfers, you always should go do that. But it makes me think that maybe they've missed on some of the uh, – the previous classes and, you know, the recruits in those positions. But 
that that doesn't matter this year. This 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 team is no doubt the number one team in the country. They are out for blood. I, I you know I think you'll hear a lot of the phrase rat poison this year. Um, it's lining up to be one of those those types of seasons. So I think we'll see this team when uh, you know for the last game of the season and um you know I think you kind of the writing's on the wall. Ohio State Bama and if uh, they're going to really have to have a slip up in order to fall short. Yeah. And what do you think then? Uh, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but or not alluded. I outright said it. What do you think about Bryce Young's repeat chances? Do you think that there is no shot or do you think like, yo, like I'd, I'd consider putting a bet on that. Uh, I think like I think it's CJ Stroud's to lose. Um, they're going to, especially if they have as special of a season as everybody's predicting, I think it's his to lose. Like I said, I think they'd rather not see a repeat the, the committee, but he's probably got the best, not probably he does have the best odds of any quarterback in the sec. So do you think there's a possibility or like, no, this is just the hype of he's a good player. Yeah. I think the possibility is always there. I think the difference is the difference this year is when you look at Tyler Harrell and, um, Jermaine Burton, two very good receivers, but are they as good as the two they had last year at Mechie and Jamison Williams. I don't think so. Not to mention they now have a better running back in my opinion than Robinson last year. No offense to Robinson was a very good running back, but you know, did have some games where he got bottled up. Um, I think Jameer Gibbs, they're going to rely on him a little bit more. And I think last year, you know, you had those weapons on the outside, but you, you know, in those games where you couldn't run Bryce Young just had to put everything on his back. I think with the complement of weapons that he has this year, I don't think he's going to be asked to do as much. He's still going to put up gaudy stats, but you know, a lot of the scrambling and, and him trying to like you know make things up on the fly and maybe get into some bad positions or maybe getting hit hard downfield as he's running, I don't think he'll have as many of those because I think the health will be key for them. Obviously, Bryce Young goes down. Their season's in jeopardy as far as winning the national championship. So I think you'll see – I don't think he'll repeat. I think he will have the numbers potentially too. I just don't think he'll be asked or, or will need to do as much this year with his complement of weapons, not just being at one position, being all around. Fair. Let's talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Pierce, probably their best season maybe in a decade and a half. Uh, certainly turning a little bit of a corner here with Sam Pitton. We'll see if 2022 is a continuation of that momentum or whether 2021 was a little bit of a flash in the pan. It was their first bowl appearance since 2016. They beat, uh, who'd they beat in the, the, it was the Outback bowl, I believe first Penn state. And they win that game as well. So all in all, a really good 2021 for Arkansas. They had a little bit of a skid there in the middle of the season, uh, when they went to Athens, but, a game day. I don't know when the last time Arkansas has been featured on a, a game day matchup. So it was a really good season for them. Like I said, 2022 is going to be a bit of an uphill battle because of the fact that um, maybe it's because they are taken a little bit more seriously. They continue to have probably the toughest schedule. Uh, they have to open up the season Labor Day weekend with Cincinnati. Um, then they have immediately South Carolina, Missouri state should be easy. Texas A&M and um, Alabama, Mississippi State, BYU, they have to go out to Provo, and we know that BYU at home is a different type of beast. Auburn, Liberty, who's nothing to scoff at, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, and Mizzou. So, I mean, I, I look at that, and there's only maybe two or three gimmies, Pierce. I would say Mizzou or Missouri State's a gimme and Mizzou's a gimme. Other than that, they could have a ton of losses. They could also have a handful of wins and shock the world. Seven and a half is what their line is at over under win total and a little bit of odds on KJ Jefferson. Not a ton, 
but a little bit. And if they have a special season, if they do the improbable and only lose a couple of games, that's a really good bet. Um, you know, sometimes the Heisman going into the year, I mean, I had Spencer Rattler for God's sakes. Like sometimes the the favorites fall off and sometimes it's a no name that you didn't see coming. So that would be a good, a, a good dark horse candidate in my mind. Um, but they could also have a, you know, two win season and I look like an idiot. So who knows? Uh, what are your thoughts here on the 2022 Arkansas Razorbacks? Who's, uh, you know, that line's interesting and, and I'm not surprised to hear seven and a half. That's probably a pretty good line. I, I would maybe say anywhere from seven and a half to eight. Um, a very interesting schedule. You look at it and some very interesting non-conference schedule or non-conference games on the schedules opening with Cincinnati. Certainly you like to think that that ought to be a win. You know, Cincinnati, yes, is set up a lot better than most um, non-power five teams as far as being able to rebuild. I know that they've recruited well over the years into that program. I just don't think losing a guy like Ritter, I don't think they can replace that. They also lost Alec Pierce at receiver. So certainly you're looking at, uh, you know, some growing pains, I think, the first month. Uh, but Cincinnati's still going to be a pretty good, pretty solid team. So um, no, just, you know, not a pancake uh, to, to start the season, not just nothing, something you can't really just toss to the side and say, well, that's an easy win. Let's look ahead. Um, you know, they, they pull at BYU. That's a crazy game. BYU is a that Provo is a tough place to go play. It, you're sucking air out there because of the elevation. Not to mention BYU is a very, very physical team. They always have been. And and not to mention, uh, and I know this from from being friends with some of the TCU players back in the day in the Mountain West, BYU was the most dirty team that they played with all those uh, 24-year-old white Mormons coming back for mission trips. So um, kind of funny to hear that. But they are a very physical team, and they will wear you out. So very tough game there. And then you got Liberty, which is uh, – you know, not certainly not the the team that they were with Malik Willis uh, after he departed this offseason um, now with the Tennessee Titans. But you you expect them to still have some good skill players and be well coached with Hugh Freeze. So, you know, not anything to scoff at, you know, scoff at. I think uh, I think I'm going to go over on this. I certainly think you're going to see them start out three and oh. Now, you talked about Spencer Rattler. If he is any if he returns to his freshman season and doesn't have any hiccups, I think that that game, again, that second week of the season, Arkansas could lose that game, even though it's at home. I'm going to go ahead and mark that as a win. You look at it, I think they've got A&M's number. I think they get them again. So that's five. That's 4-0 going into Alabama. Certainly, I think you lose to Alabama, Mississippi State, and BYU. I think they probably lose those three. Um, but I, I, I see them beating Liberty, LSU, Mississippi, and Missouri. So um, I think this team does get seven and a half wins. But um, there is some cushion there, even if they get upset by maybe an Auburn or, a, 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 you know, an LSU. Um, but I think they squeak out eight wins. OK, um, this is a really a big side note, but uh, I don't know if you've been seeing the you know how every single stadium has like the players being like, you know, Sanford Nation, let's go like stuff like that. Uh, let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. I saw the one of Spencer Rattler today. There is a new ick that I have in this world, and it is watching uh, college football players twirling a ball and saying, Gamecock Nation, let's ride. Mountaineer Nation. <laughs> hey, Cock ride. Nation, let's ride. Let's ride. It is. I mean, who would have thought oh. that that awkward, just ridiculous thing by Russell Wilson turned into just every every quarterback now does. Even, even linemen are doing it at Oregon and stuff. It is yes. a strange phenomenon. Dub I mean, Nation. Hey, I'm let's surprised ride. we let's haven't ride. seen... I'm surprised we haven't seen the offensive lineman from Arkansas doing it with Sam Pittman being an offensive <laughs> line background. They have a top 15 line yes this year. That's yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. Let's ride. I mean, ride. 
But yeah, this uh, it's a weird phenomenon, weird time that we live in. Ugh. All right, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers. Another situation that's been just absolutely wacky. This offseason, obviously, very close uh, in the news. I was following it very closely, I should say, with what was going to happen with Brian Harson. Not a good first start for him. If there is not, I, I would probably reckon that Auburn boosters might be the most meddling, maybe behind Texas, the most meddling boosters for their program. Uh, football program specifically um, six and seven was their final record for 2021. And that was not including a loss in the Birmingham bowl Pierce to Houston, which, you know, you're going an hour and a half up the road. I don't even know if it's an hour and a half. I don't actually know. I went to school in Birmingham. You think I would know how f- far Auburn is away. I don't couldn't catch me dead on the planes. Point is, There comes out this weird, like, is he cheating on his wife type rumors with his secretary that he brought from Boise? All that turned out to be false, but it was trying to gain momentum for reasoning for firing him after his first freaking season. They end up not doing that, I think partially because nobody wants to touch that job with a 10-foot pole, especially if you're going to oust a guy and ruin his life in the meantime in order to justify doing it. Uh, he is going to have an uphill battle, though. If they have another tough season, I think that they're going to now be able to say, like, yeah, he's out. And whether or not that's, you know, we've heard rumors forever about them wanting Kevin Steele to be their head coach. So maybe that's how they get their way finally. Um, the, the the contingency or the contingent of uh, boosters who do want that, I should say. Bo Nix is gone. He is no longer their quarterback. TJ Finley is in despite an arrest he's been cleared of now. So he will be the quarterback for uh, the Auburn Tigers. They have an interesting schedule. They do have to go to Penn, or I'm sorry, they have Penn State coming to town. Uh, They do pull Missouri as their other team from the East, which is more than beatable. Um, So that, you know, you'd like to say that they'd be able to cover their six and a half, but I'm just not positive, Pierce. Uh, Mercer, San Jose State, those should both be wins. Um, in Western Kentucky as well. But other than that, you know, they've got they got LSU. They have to go to Georgia, to Vaught-Hemingway, uh, to Starkville, and to Alabama. So maybe Auburn Jesus is behind them, but six and a half feels right on the right on the head for me. And I think if it's six and a half, or if it's six and seven again this year, I think you've seen the end of the Brian Harson era. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I think that number is pretty spot on. Um, this this team. I- you know, the more I've, I dove into this team, the more I started to like their chances this season um, at, at, you know, because when you look at both sides, you, you've got Alabama and then who's going to fight for that second spot amongst the next four or five teams. It's the same way in the East. Who's going to fight for that second spot between Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina and Kentucky to throw them in there. Um, I, I started to think more and more that Auburn is, you know, the team that might step up and be second in this conference. But my only hurdle that I just can't get over is the fact that I can't trust TJ Finley. I, I just can't. I mean, listen, he didn't do all that well at LSU. He had to transfer to Auburn. He didn't do well at Auburn last year. I think you're really going to see that for all the crap that this this program ha- has given Bo Nix, they're going to miss him. He was not a bad quarterback. In fact, I think it was more so he just didn't have much around him uh, at least one or two of those three years he was there and and you know was running for his life. I mean, it's it's not easy when you don't have a, a great offense around you um, to, to go up against the likes of Alabama and Georgia every single season. Um, you know, you look at this team, they have talent. I, I Certainly, I think Tank Bigsby is one of the best runners in this conference, if not the best. 
Um, they ought to have a top 15 offensive line in the country. They, they should have a top 10 D line in the country. Um, they should have a very good special teams with their punter and kicker. Uh, you know, Anders Carlson, obviously, you know, you know the name well from his brother being there. I mean, it's an elite kicker. So you, you, you got a lot going and a lot working with him there. Six starters back on defense, including, um, you know, including some key D linemen, Derek Hall, Owen Papo at, at linebacker coming back. I just can't get over the QB hurdle. I can't do it. I won't be playing this one in real life. I'm going to take the under because if you go through the schedule, you got Penn State, you got Mississippi, and you've got Mississippi State and LSU that are probably toss-ups. And uh, I, I'm not sure without a good QB that they can win the majority of those. So I, I think you're that's a solid number, but give me – I think they get to a bowl. I think they get six wins. Um, but I'm going to play the under and stay away from this in real life. Let's talk about another line that is six and a half, and that would be the Florida Gators, the first year under new regime, Billy Napier. Uh, last year was the last of the Dan Mullen um, experiment. I thought it would have been more successful, but he couldn't recruit. Napier's already led, you know, he's already said, hey, listen, guys, it's going to be a little rough. I got to get my guys in. You got to give it time. He's already setting. And, and to be fair, he's not wrong. If you keep firing coaches after two seasons, you're never going to catch the momentum in order to improve. I mean, there are some coaches, Pierce, who have been with their current team for upwards of 10 years who are just now starting to get momentum. Obviously, in the SEC, it's an arms race, especially in the SEC East. Of who and somebody who's touched excellence more, most recently beyond or behind Georgia, I should say, the Florida Gators. They're not used to this. Is the first really down decade they've had since the '90s uh, with the old ball coach Spurrier and then Urban Meyer. Um, so, like I said, Billy Napier in at coach uh, last year wasn't amazing for them. They had a couple of times. I mean, hell, it was 2020 that we saw them go to the SEC championship um, and, you know, a shoe throw away from a totally different storyline. But 2021, same type of thing, same flashes of brilliance. I mean, they almost upset Alabama, if you remember, at Bryant-Denny. Um, they were able to absolutely pound Tennessee. They were scaring Georgia in the first quarter, the first half. If it weren't for the last, like, two minutes of the first half, this, the game's totally different. But then they also have things like giving up 52 points to FCS team Samford, Bow Wow Bulldogs, uh, you know, things like that, losing to LSU, who's probably one of their bigger, becoming one of their bigger rivals. So like I said, done with them, on to the next. Um, I don't really know what to make of them. I, I Everybody's all excited about Anthony Richardson. I'd love to, for you to kind of touch on this. My worry with Anthony Richardson is he was Dan Mullen's guy. If he was ready, don't you think Dan Mullen would have been playing Anthony Richardson? I get that now he's had a whole offseason to get his his bearings and things like that, but he wasn't recruited by Napier. Napier might not be playing, you know, might not have the same system set up that Dan Mullen had. I'm just not as sold on him as everybody else, but I could be wrong. Maybe he comes in and is, you know, he's a freak athlete, so maybe he's uh, everything and a cup of coffee. The the schedule appears for 2022 for the Gators, Utah, which is going to be an interesting matchup. That's who they start the season with and immediately playing Kentucky. USF should be a gimme. Tennessee, they have to go to Neyland this year. Eastern Washington should be a gimme. Mizzou, LSU, the cocktail party versus Georgia, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Vandy, and then obviously ending the season with FSU. 
Six and a half. I do think things get better with Napier over time. I don't think this is the second team in the East this year. Um, so I think six and a half sounds about right, but it's Florida. So they they could have surprises. They, you know, you're in a very talent rich state. So maybe you've got a couple things under rocks we're not aware of. What are your thoughts, Pierce, on the 2022 Florida Gators? Yeah, this team, you said that Billy Napier, you know, mentioned, hey, guys, we got I got to get my players in here, which is very true. He's got to he's got to obviously increase the talent there. That was really one of the big downfalls of Mullen. It was, you know, among other things, it was his lack of being able to recruit at a high level. They, they just weren't getting players and classes to the standards of, you know, the Georgias and um, the, the Bamas and the LSUs. And, you know, when they, they look around and go, well, we're, we're, we're Florida. Why aren't we pulling talent? It's all in our state. What's going on? Um, that was one of the biggest, if not the biggest downfall for, uh, for Mullen. But, you know, Napier does inherit a team that does kind of its strengths are what Napier likes to do. Napier likes to, run, 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 and run some more. Um, and, and I think with QB Anthony Richardson, obviously some of his shortcomings last season were being able to read defenses. So I think taking the ball out of his hand a, a little bit more and allowing him to use his big body and his athleticism to run the football, um, you know, along with their talented running backs, I think is, is going to be a, 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 a setup for them to really be physical, not make as many mistakes in the passing game, um, be, you know, opportunistic in that regard, a lot of play actions potentially. Um, and, and their defense ought to be a more improved than last year. They returned seven starters. Um, you know, they do have a tough schedule, obviously starting with Utah, but man, they, and, and I love Utah. I, I think they probably win the PAC 12 this year. They're my pick to win the PAC 12, but to start at Florida, the first game of the season is a very tall ask, even with a stud quarterback, like they have, I think Florida, the more and more I'm starting to think about it, the closer we're getting to the season, I think Florida pulls that upset. I'm going over here. I think when you look at this team, it has the talent. I don't think they finished second in the East. I, I agree with you. I think that uh, another team, uh, another team, actually the team in the state that I live in probably comes in second. But I think that when you look at their schedule, you know, you, you see Utah, I, th- I think they get that upset. You really then are looking at Tennessee and South Carolina and Florida State and 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 LSU as far as those four games are the ones where are going to be the the ones are, that determine whether they get the over or under six and a half. I think they get I think they get one or two of those upsets. I think they get LSU and I think they can get South Carolina. So I think they get the seven eight wins this season and hit that over. As long as they lose to FSU, I'm okay with it. It is in Tallahassee this year, so maybe. It is, yeah. Maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at LSU and because that's at home, and I'm looking at South Carolina as the two I like the most. The on yeah. the road games for a team that might have to throw the football and might be a little bit sketchy in that regard at FSU and at Tennessee might be where uh, you know they trip up. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about the defending national champions, a team that we know all too well. I mean, honestly, we could do. We've gone 38 minutes so far on the SEC. You knew this was going to be a long one. Maybe it's not quite 38. We did have a couple of things I'll it out. But uh, we've been over 30 minutes on the SEC. We could probably cover 30 just on the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But this is our team, so we got to talk about them. Like I said, defending national champions. First time in 41 years that the Dogs do that. Um, taking down Alabama in order to do so. 33-18. Beat Michigan in the Orange Bowl convincingly. 34-11. Their lone uh, blemish 
on the uh, season was that SEC loss to Alabama. Um, I think, you know, if you're if you're writing a storybook, it had to happen that way, Pierce. You had to have some kind of uh, revenge on the line, if you will. Everyone seems to be on this hot play of Georgia taking this huge step back. And we've seen it happen in recent history. In 2019, LSU has this storybook year, wins, um, you know, the national championship, look incredible doing it, you know, have one of the best offenses of all time, and then have been terrible ever since. Obviously, now they've had to make a, a switch up at head coach, bringing in Brian Kelly to try to get a little bit better. I don't think that's what's going to happen here at Georgia. Uh, you know, it wasn't a transfer quarterback. It wasn't a, uh, you know, a couple of guys who transferred in who made the team last year. It was relentless recruiting over the past few seasons, coaching and developing those guys into what they could be. The thing that also gets me, Pearson, and, and, and you know, I've been just kind of setting you up for these talks, but I, I have a little bit I want to say here about the dogs um, is that, Everybody's acting like I mean, we did. We lost a crap ton. And I'm sorry, I'm going to say we we lost a crap ton on defense with, you know, a lot of people going to the draft and stuff. But the way Kirby runs his defense is that the backups see a lot of reps, too. He likes to keep guys fresh. You're constantly rotating in. If you watch a Georgia game, you're just going to see on defense guys rotating in all the time. So it's not like you've got some scrub who's been sitting on the bench who's not really seen action. So. I do think it's not necessarily this historic step back that everybody's counting for, but maybe a bit of one. I don't think Georgia repeats necessarily, but I think that they could easily find themselves in the playoff if only because the only thing that scares me is the game to open the season versus Oregon and Tennessee coming to town. Those are the two games that scare me most. Other than that, I'm not worried about Sanford. Do you have to go to South Carolina to your point if Spencer Rattler is back to his, you know, what he we thought he was going to be coming out of high school, uh, you know, and, and was at times at Oklahoma, then that's a little scary. Kent State, easy win. Missouri, easy win. Auburn, uh, at home. You draw them at home. Uh, the cocktail party is always scary, uh, but you get Tennessee at home. You do have to go to Starkville. That one scares me a little bit as well. The line is 10 and a half. Um, you know, even if they get upset by Mississippi State or, you know, they have one hiccup, I don't see them having multiple I don't, I mean, it's got to be at least double digits, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a big step back and everybody, all the pundits are correct. I just don't see it that way. I think everybody would rather be, and you and I have talked about this offline, maybe on the podcast too. Everybody would rather be wrong by taking a, making a step out on their commentary than being too conservative and being wrong. Everybody wants to be the guy who can say, you know, I told you, I told you this was going to happen um, by being ballsy and, 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 and making the hot pick, if you will. I think that Georgia's in the playoffs again. A little bit of a preview for our uh, predictions episode. What do you think here of the dogs' chances in 2022? So I got to start out by addressing one thing. You mentioned uh, LSU in regards to, you know, they have that outstanding year in 2019, come back in 2020. The only the, the one thing I do want to point out, and I know you know this, but to our listeners, the biggest thing was they hit they they hit a grand slam getting Joe Burrow. Did that exactly. team have a lot of, of elite talent? Probably kind of similar to Georgia in, in a lot of regards last year. Yes. The biggest difference is recruiting. Recruiting-wise, LSU did not recruit at a high enough level um, to, to not only have the depth behind a lot of those guys that won the national championship, but then going into the next season, they just didn't have anybody behind to come in and fill the shoes. Um, at least right away. And obviously you could see not just right away. It, it lingered on. 
this Georgia team has recruited at a high level for five, six years now. So I don't see that being the question. And from everything I've heard, um, there are they're, they're pretty happy with uh, a lot of the, the questionable areas. Um, I think offensively, you look at it, you get your top quarterback back, including, you know, you've got some good quarterbacks behind them waiting in the wings. I mean, hell, how many teams, I mean, maybe Alabama and maybe Ohio State, the only two others, maybe Clemson. Georgia has two five stars that are going to sit on the bench and aren't even going to be second string this year. Um, that speaks to the recruiting. Now, QB's back. The running back room is going to be very talented with Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton probably taking next steps. And don't don't uh, sign off on the two freshmen now. I think they're going to play um, good time. If you've seen anything with Kirby Smart, he will play whichever running back is playing the best. Um, they ought to have a top four wide receiver room in all, all of SEC. And they ought to have a top two line uh, group in all of the SEC. So offensively, I think they do take a step up. I think uh, I think some of those key players, you know, Bowers is going on to be a uh, you know a sophomore now. He ought to you know have just as good a season. Ad Mitchell ought to have just as good a season. He's taking a step up. The receiver room gets more depth behind it. Um, I think they probably air it out a little bit more this year. Um, on top of that, you get Eric Gilbert coming in. So. I mean, this offense takes a step up from last year, which is saying a lot because it was very good last year. Defense will take a step back. It's only right when you lose eight guys, eight starters to 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 the NFL, and they were the heart and soul of your team. I think when you look at it, you yeah, there are question marks on the D line. Certainly, you've got you love having uh, Robert Beal come back, a, a six year senior who was the leading sack leader last year, along with Nolan Smith. That's leadership on this defense that they desperately need. The back end looks pretty solid with Christopher Smith back at safety, Dan Jackson back. You get a couple youngsters that can come in and might play in Malachi Starks. Um, you know, you got cornerbacks, Keely Ringo, Tyke Smith, who is an All-American, didn't play last year due to injury. He's back and will play the star. I mean, you've got guys in the secondary. I think the biggest question mark is that linebacker where you have to replace two legit legit linebackers into Kobe Dean and Quay Walker. I, I, the two names I'm hearing most about is Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden. I think those are the two guys to look at. Certainly Jalen Walker, youngster, um, freshman coming in, will, will play a part as well. They take a step back, but you hit the nail on the head. They rotate so much, especially, especially on the D-line, that a lot of players, man, a lot of these backups have had you know valuable, valuable reps and will come in and be ready to play. So um, I certainly think that'll be sprinkled in with Michael Williams and maybe Bear Alexander stepping in at D-tackle. So I think this defense will be pretty good. I think it'll still be a top-five defense in the country. At 10.5, I'm surprised to hear it that. I, I think most books will have it at 11.5 because they want to make you decide, you know, is Georgia going to go undefeated or lose one game? I'm going to go over 10.5 for the purpose of this because I think that obviously gives me the leeway of losing a game and still winning. Um, I don't see Georgia losing two games. I really don't know if I see Georgia losing at all. But certainly I can see them, you know, South Carolina, that one, that one's going to be an interesting one. South Carolina always plays well. They get a lot of talent from Georgia. They, the kids are going to be ready to play. Certainly they got embarrassed last year. They're definitely feeling the mojo this year with Spencer Rattler coming over year two under um, under their coach Beamer. That game, I'm not as worried about the Tennessee game. I think I'm more worried about Mississippi State um, and, and even Kentucky. Mississippi State seems to kind of do some good things against us. It's quick passes. Get it out of Rogers' hands, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think uh, this Georgia team is uh, going to go over that number. I think they get to they at least get to eleven wins and are fighting right there for the uh, for the SEC championship and hopefully maybe sneak into the playoffs as a three or four seed. 
Let's talk about the Kentucky Wildcats, a team that is a pretty hot pick for maybe finishing second in the East. Uh, they had their one of their most successful seasons, I won't say in a while because they did this a few seasons ago, but they did have 10 wins, something that they had not done up in Lexington in a long time. No longer a basketball school, despite what John Calipari might want to claim with those tweets. Um, I don't necessarily know what to make of Kentucky necessarily. I mean, they could do something and they could have another 10-win season and they could also just win six and go bowling. Um, you know, that's kind of who they are. They're kind of an identity that I go, it could be either one. Who knows? Uh, they do have a pretty favorable schedule, save for the fact that they have to go to Florida in week two. But right off the gate, they have Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. Then they have to go to Vaught Hemingway, which will also be a tough test. But everything else, I mean, at home, they're pulling they're some of their hardest games at home here, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Georgia, other than a trip to, to Neyland, and they get Louisville at home at the end of the season as well. Seven and a half, I think that that is low. I actually might put real honest-to-God money on this. I think that, save for the fact that I don't know what to make of them, I don't think that they give up that many games. I think seven and a half feels like a good number, but maybe I'm wrong with that. I just think that Mark Stoops has a uh, you know a very co- consistent team going. They're not quite. They're not quite on like. I'm not going to say they're like a Purdue level or you know, but like because because they win more than Purdue or like a you know Kansas State, maybe more Iowa State where it's like you know if they could just get over the hump they'd be really good, but maybe they're just content to be what they are. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Kentucky Wildcats this season? Yeah, I I I hate to break it to you. I'm actually feeling the opposite. I think Kentucky really? takes a pretty big step. Yeah, hear me out on this. I I feel like I feel like all of the Kentucky season and their hopes and dreams for this year solely rely on Will Levis. Literally Will Levis. And I'm not saying he's an awful quarterback, but you're hearing buzz that he should be the top quarterback taken in next year's draft. How? I think he averaged like 190, 200 yards passing last season. That's not good. That's not good. Now, he had some efficient games. I get it. But I think you're going to see without and, – and by the way, I think I, you might need to look this up for me. I heard something about Chris Rodriguez getting hurt or something this you know just recently. So their running back room is deep, so it's not the end of the world there. But, man, this is a team that last year had Wandell Robinson, who was an electric receiver. They lose their other top-producing receiver – three of their top five O-line. Yes, they'll be very physical, but they had a legit, legit squad last year. And 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 I don't think they recruit as at a high enough level to just quickly reload. And and that's putting a lot on Will Levis. You know what I kind of seeing with this team? Offensively, at least, I'm kind of seeing them being almost like North Carolina last year where they have their hopes and it's all set on their quarterback, but they lost all their weapons at wideout and their O-line's a little sketchy and they're playing in the big bad, big bad SEC. I think their offense struggles. They they only return five starters on defense. I think they're probably going to squeak in a bowl game. I, I I don't see them getting over that seven and a half though. But that's probably a solid number because, um, you know I can I can see them getting to seven or eight. But um, I think more signs are pointing to them being down. And I'm not bought in on the Will Levis hype. And I think a lot of their seasons hopes and dreams are are dependent on him being a superstar. And I just I don't see it. So still they'll be a very physical team. If you don't bring your your lunch pail and hard hat, they will come out there and whip you at the line of scrimmage, even though I think they take a slight step back from last year because they were legit last year. And another thing to look out for, they lose their offensive coordinator. 
and and I'm I'm going blank on his name, but their offensive coordinator last year I thought was very very good in a lot of tough games. Their game against Georgia, they scored points because that coach was calling some plays. He was dialing them up. Um, so I think that that also hurts their chances breaking in a new OC um, and and breaking in new players. So did you go under? Yep, yeah, I'm going to go under seven and a half. See, but even Kentucky. a step back would be eight wins. I think they could. I don't think they get ten again. But well, so they... so well, let's run through it. I think they win Miami, Ohio. They win Youngstown State. They win Northern Illinois. That's three. I think they lose at Florida. So three and one. I see. Mississippi I and Mississippi State are probably toss ups. I think they split. So I think you're looking at what four and two. Okay. I think they probably. I think they probably lose to South Carolina because I think South Carolina is going to sneak up on some people this year. Um, but you, that's a toss up as well. So I, I, you know, I'm going to say that's a loss. So four and three. I think they lose at Tennessee, so that's okay. four and four. I think they beat Missouri, so that's five and four. Beat Vandy, six and four. Then they've got Georgia and Louisville. They lose to Georgia, that's six and five. Louisville winning won't get them to the seven. So it's basically going to come down to the Mississippi, South Carolina, Mississippi State. They have to win two of three, and then they got to beat Louisville. And and that's kind of if they can go two and two, that's not going to get them there. They have to go three of those four. And I'm just thinking the odds are a little bit better. With what they, yeah, I just think they have a favorable schedule, so we'll see. Um, do. Chris Rodriguez did not get hurt, but he did plead guilty to a DUI, oh, so okay. well, that's, that's why there is a either. question about he'll sit he'll... out the Miami yeah. Ohio game. He'll be good, right? Exactly. Um, all right, the LSU Tigers. We've talked about them and kind of what they've been through over the past couple seasons already. This podcast, Brian Kelly is his is the first year head coach there. No um, stranger to being a head coach, obviously from Notre Dame. I think just by nature of the fact that they've got a guy who they want now is not, as opposed to an in-room guy that the locker room wants. I think that's already going to be a win for LSU. I do think he brings a little bit more stability and a little bit more of a coaching know-how, but that being said, he hasn't had a chance to get his guys in a la Billy Napier. Um, LSU is an easy place to recruit. It's why he made the move to LSU, his whole thing saying, you know, Hey, I can't, he didn't say this, but essentially saying I can't win at Notre Dame. I'm going to go somewhere where I think I can win it all. LSU, for some reason, the Louisiana boys stay home. They just do not go elsewhere. You should be able to go into that state and get whoever you want as the LSU head coach. Um, you know, even though he's got some really cringy antics, including a fake Southern accent, they open the season versus FSU Pierce. I, <laughs> I do actually think that might be a little bit of a slip up for them only because it's, the, you know, getting all of your pieces, all of your ducks in a row. It's a neutral site. Um, they have a tough schedule. Six and a half though should be manageable. Uh, I think if they go bowling first year head coach, I, I think that they do better than that. But I think if they go bowling, then that is a win and an improvement for them and gives them a little bit of momentum recruiting wise. Um, but that being said, it is the SEC and anything could happen. Brian Kelly has been proven to win at Cincinnati. He's been proven to win at Notre Dame. Nothing shows me he's not going to win at LSU. It's just a question of whether or not it's going to be immediate. Um, glaringly on their schedule, I'm just trying to see they get Alabama at home. They get Tennessee at home. Uh, they do have to go to Texas A&M to close out the season. They get Mississippi State at home. They do have to go to Auburn. But for the most part, I think it's a pretty favorable schedule. Like I said, I think that this is six and a half feels right on the money, probably going over with it. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, this LSU team is an interesting one. Certainly bringing in a new head coach. Um, you know, they had a max, max at, wow. 
a mass exodus um, of players leaving this program once they made the, co- the coaching hire. And then Brian Kelly brought in a lot of new guys, um, you know, not just uh, through recruiting, but through the transfer portal as well. So they, you know, they're one of those teams kind of along with Old Miss in this conference that are hard to get a read on due to all those transfers. And, um, you know, how are they going to gel? How are they going to blend in with what they already have on the on the roster? They do bring back 11 returning starters. Um, my big fear is uh, they lost their thousand yard rusher um, and most of their O-line. And it's hard in your first year as a head coach to kind of come in with a brand new O-line. I think that definitely doesn't bode well for them. Um, and they only return five starters on defense. Now, you look at it, they do have a couple stud players, obviously, Kayshawn Boutte at wide receiver. Um, a lot of people think he might be the best receiver, one of the best receivers in college football. B.J. Ojolari on the outside is a great edge rusher, along with Ali Gay at the other side of things at, at the end. Um, so they do have a formidable uh, 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 you know, edge rushing duo there. Six and a half is is probably pretty spot on. I th- I agree with you there. Um, certainly, you know, people are are writing in a win against Florida State. I don't know if I see that necessarily. I think Florida State's gonna gonna put up a pretty good fight. Um, you know, they've got some easy easy games on their schedule, but I think a lot of the games on the road this year for them are going to be difficult. Again, you don't have a good offensive line. You're going to struggle in, in in big games, in particular on the road. Um, so certainly, I see them losing to. You know, Mississippi State, I see them losing to Tennessee. I see them losing to Florida. I see them losing to Alabama, and I see them losing to Arkansas and A&M. So I think this team is going to be fighting to get into a bowl. I'm not going to be playing this um, in real life, but I do think it's under six and a half. I'm going to – I think they get to six wins, but not to uh, not to not get over the hump to seven, so um, under. But I think six wins is a pretty good building block for this team, um, especially when they don't have to worry about another team, another big time D one school in their uh, state re- recruiting against them, or negatively recruiting. Hey, look, LSU only won six games last year. They don't have to worry about that as much. Um, so I think, and, and it just seems like a lot of Louisiana kids stay home. So six six wins in a bowl game, and uh, I think. Kelly will work his magic and next year that you'll see a significant improvement. The Mississippi state bulldogs. Listen, when you get Mike Leach, you're going to have flashes of brilliance and you're also going to have some things that are frustrating. You run an air raid offense, kind of like the triple option. There's going to be some good moments. There's going to be some moments of like, why are we running this offense? Um, Better season last year than the year before seven wins. I think I was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm like looking at my notes. My computer died. A little peel behind the my my. I was working off two computers. My second computer died, so I've been doing this on my phone. Uh, and it is uh, it's it's been a fun little um. Good thing I know the SEC so well. I'll put it that way. Um, seven games before losing in the Liberty Bowl to Texas Tech, thirty-four to seven. But all in all, like was a decent season for them. I mean, this year you just need to you got to not get tripped up by like your Memphises of the world, and then you really do have. So momentum there in Starkville. Um, they open versus Memphis this year. Then they have to go to Arizona, which is really interesting. Um, but other than that, Pierce, I mean, it seems pretty doable. You welcome in Georgia and Auburn. They both are at home as well as Arkansas. So those are three games that if you if they were going to those stadiums, I might be nervous. But welcoming those teams in, I'm like, hey, I don't see why not. The only two games that to me are and, and Texas AM, I should mention as well. The only games to me that I'm like, you know, those I would go ahead and put them as as losses are Bama and again, Georgia, I don't know. Georgia, that could be a scary game for them. And always the egg bowl 
is one of the most electric rivalries in college football. Six and a half is what they're settled at. So, you know, you're thinking about at that point, they're going bowling. Um, but I think they return, if I'm not mistaken, they return a lot of key pieces. Um, and, and Leach is a great, a mastermind of the game of, of drawing up offenses to trip up teams. So I think it might be a fun season for Starkville. I don't think I'm going to get crazy and say that they're going to, you know, win the SEC West or anything like that. But, you know, I don't think that Mississippi State fans expect to do that. They just want to be competitive. They just want to win the games at home and have a good time. And, hey, shout out to them. Interesting. I don't know if you've been looking at any of the uh, mock-ups for their stadium renovations they're going to be doing, but doing away with, like, half the seats in the upper deck and putting uh, fridges underneath or coolers underneath so people can bring in food and continue oh, to tailgate. Sweet. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not that's thinking cool. that they can bring in booze because that seems – problematic but but i think that they can bring in you know you you bring in your food and your your sodas and whatnot and well you may not be able to bring in booze in air quotes the booze is being brought in i can tell you that much yeah Yeah, this uh so six and a half i i I hope i didn't cut you off no you're good go Um, ahead this mississippi state team is interesting this year i I, i'm gonna certainly that game um at home against georgia as a georgia fan scares the living hell out of me because this team You've seen it, you know, even though Georgia has won the last two times that we faced this Mississippi State team with Leach, they they played pretty darn well, man. Or maybe it was, uh, uh, was it two years ago? I think it was 2020, two years ago. So we only played them once since Mike Leach came over. But man, they, um, you know, they played tough with us, man. They probably, that was JT Daniels, I think, season. I don't know if he was, I think he was in there already by then. That might actually have been his first game. And Mississippi State hung with us. They have that weird, you know, air raid offense where Will Rogers is so good at just kind of sitting back there and almost doing the Tom Brady, just kind of picking you apart, you know, with three, five, dump off, six, seven, five, four, six, and almost using that as a run game, you know, four yards here on the run, five yards here, oop, broke one for 11, back to four, back to five, and just, it's like death by a thousand cuts. I think when you look at it, they returned 17 starters. That that certainly bodes well for them. Um, yes, you did hit it. Uh, they do play at LSU, at Kentucky, and at Bama, and at Ole Miss. That doesn't uh, line up too well for them. But I think with the returning starters coming back, certainly the play at, with Rodgers, they've got a very underrated uh, running back duo. I think their offense will be improved, and I think eleven. Uh, I think their defense will be improved with 11 of their top 14 tacklers back. Um I think year three under Leach, I certainly, you know, the only thing that's hesit- make me he- making me hesitate with this team is Mike Leach teams typically play better as underdogs when they are, they're not thought to be this team that's going to win nine, 10 games potentially. So certainly scares me because you look at, uh, you know, last year, certainly I thought they were going to have an improved season last year and they only went on the road and lost to Memphis. Now I know there were some weird calls in that game, but they seem to lay an egg or two with, and, and Mike Leach has kind of always done that. So that certainly scares me. But I'm looking at this schedule, and I, 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 I'm getting to eight wins almost every single time that I look at their schedule. So I'm taking over here. I think this is going to be a surprise team. I think Alabama, and and I think they'll play Georgia well. But I think Alabama and Georgia are the only two that you can mark down as losses. They've played AM pretty well in the past, and and I think they finally get Ole Miss this year. I really do. Um, so. I'm seeing eight wins, and they might be able to even get to nine, barring you know one of those crazy upsets. So uh, Mississippi State is a much improved team, uh, one of the more improved teams in the SEC, in my opinion, this year. Let's talk about the Missouri Tigers. They continue to just be mediocre. I mean, bottom half, maybe bottom two 
at this point, I mean, when you're even seeing the Arkansas of the world turn it around, Eli Drinkwitz just can't quite get momentum going, his footing quite at Mizzou. And I like him as a person. He seems like he'd be fun to have a beer with, but I don't necessarily like him as a coach, at least with what he's been able to do so far. Six and six was what they did last year, and they're sitting at five and a half as the over-under this year, and they're replacing some key key pieces. Um, we already talked about it in the Big Ten preview, but Connor Bazelak, he said, peace out. He's going to Indiana. I have no idea who they have replacing him, so you'll have to let us know. I think they got a, I don't think they've named one, obviously, but it's going to be a little bit of a battle. You'll have to fill us in on what your thoughts are there for who's going to be playing under center. Um, right now, looking at their schedule, Pierce, at Kansas State, that that's going to be an interesting matchup, one you don't see very often, obviously, since Mizzou moved from the Big 12. Um, they have to go to Auburn, to Florida, to South Carolina, and to Tennessee. Just an absolute gauntlet of a season for Mizzou. Five and a half. I don't necessarily see a bowl in their future, but maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, with just some of their key pieces gone, not sure what to expect from them. Um, they don't recruit necessarily the best. And they have a pretty gauntlet of a schedule. So I'd probably be going under with that, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll tell me like with uh, a couple of my picks earlier, or not even picks, but just feelings that I'm wrong here. But I have a feeling I'm not. So what are your thoughts about Mizzou? Yeah, I missed the I missed the number. Um, five and a half. Gave out. Five and a half. Well, and, and that's a pretty solid spot because this Missouri team, since they've come into the SEC, you know, they have had a couple – a couple of outlier seasons where they had good years and won the East for gosh sakes, which is a very weird thing to think about uh, when, when you remember them going and, and getting absolutely whooped by Alabama and you're thinking, well, golly, we lost to this team. I mean, just, just a travesty to, for the East teams to allow this Missouri Tigers type team to come out of the East. But um, I digress. I I agree though. When you look at this team, um, it, it's hard to get to that, you know, five and a half mark. However, this Missouri team, ever since they won that the East the last time, they've kind of just been middling. And it's when you they, you think they're going to take a step up, they go six and six. You think they're going to be in the in the basement, the, one of the worst teams, they go six and six. It just seems like they're kind of locked in at this five or six win mark. Um, obviously, I think that's another reason why that number is five and a half. Um, but I, I just can't get there. Listen, they lost their QB. And they lost Tyler Beatty, who was a you know had over sixteen hundred yards for them. That's a lot of production to to, to you know uh, to have to replace. They do return fourteen starters and eight on defense, so you might see a little bit of an improvement on defense. I certainly think you'll see a defense that played more like they did at the end of last season than than at the beginning, which is an improvement um, from their overall body of work. They do avoid Bama and AM out of the West, which always bodes well um, for your chances of winning a few extra games. Uh, but I just, I just don't see it this year. I, 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 I don't. I, I think that they might be able to get the five wins. It would take two upsets, like two pretty big upsets against an Auburn, or against a Kansas State, or against a South Carolina, or Kentucky, or Tennessee, in order to 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 get to that six win bowl mark. I'm I'm looking. I, I realistically can only get them to four wins, so one upset wouldn't be enough. So give me the under Missouri, under five and a half. And boy, I feel like I'm taking a lot of unders. I was going to comment on that earlier. You've been taking a lot of unders, and I get the SEC, but I mean, oh, interesting. You know why I'm taking unders? Why? I'm probably being a, I'm being a big pansy because, I, like I said at the very beginning, it's top heavy. You've got Georgia in the East, and you got Bama in the West, and then the next five spots are all up for the gr- taking. And I'm just taking the, the easy road out and just saying they're all going to beat each other up, as opposed to one taking that step up, right? But, cannibalizing. Um, 
Yes, exactly. I, I think you are seeing that. And and some of these teams, like I said, you know, with uh, Arkansas obviously being a little different, they were on the flip side of things. But, you know, some of these teams obviously also have some pretty tough out-of-conference games, which is unique. So that throws some wrenches in, in, you know, just saying, well, they've got three or four easy wins on the schedule. Well, some of those, you know, middling teams really only have two right. that you can pencil in. So kind of interesting to dive into. Let's throw it back to the state of Mississippi and talk about Ole Miss. Ten wins on the season after losing, or I'm sorry, before losing to Baylor in their bowl loss. Of course, you saw Matt Corral go down in that one. Maybe things would have been different if he had stayed in. You're never going to not have antics. How do you like that for a double negative? Never going to not have antics from Lane Kiffin. Uh, They have the whole, he has the whole get your popcorn ready before a blowout loss to Alabama. And then he, uh, you know, everything that happened with the Tennessee game where they were throwing mustard and golf balls. Um, just, it's just a fun, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're in a fun era right now. Are you in an era where you're going to be dangerous and potentially win the SEC? Maybe not, but you're not far off either. And, and this is certainly the closest you have been in a while. That being said, talk about teams that might take a step back. Going to have to replace that Matt Corral character I talked about earlier. They're under center. That being said, Pierce, they have a pretty easy schedule, at least to start the season. Uh, Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. The back half is a little bit more treacherous, but maybe they have their footing by then. You give somebody who's replacing Matt Corral the time to really figure it out. Um, have they tapped Jackson Dart, or do they have a QB battle? I think it's. I think they've tapped Jackson Dart, but maybe there's... I'm not sure. Okay. I heard, had heard that throughout spring and then early looks here in the summer that he has not looked very good. Really? So okay. it's I last I had heard it was a QB battle with a lot of people inside thinking that that kid that came in for Corral when he got hurt in the bowl game okay. will be uh, will will get the nod. But you certainly think they'll give Dart a, a a look at least. Yeah. Well, they went and they got who they wanted. They got him from USC. They 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 heavily sought that, and obviously Kiffin having ties to USC probably had an in there as well as like maybe the style that that guy plays. Um, that being said, seven and a half is their over under. I don't, I mean, this would be a step back for them to not win 10. Um, is it a gimme that they're the second best team in the West again? Or is that Texas A&M's to lose? Or maybe, a, you know, another fascinating season from Arkansas? Who knows? Seven and a half seems doable to me, though. I mean, but I could be wrong. I think that, like I said, that first half of that season, I think they're going, I think they go to LSU in late October undefeated. And then they have LSU, A&M. Alabama. Those could all three be losses. They could all three be wins. Who knows? Um, before finishing with Arkansas and the Egg Bowl. So could be a really stellar season for them and could be a blast season, to your point, about cannibalizing and all beating each other. You just don't know what to expect from these middle middle teams. So with the best that you can, what do you expect from Ole Miss in 2022? Yeah, man, I'm looking at this schedule and then, and they have a realistic shot to go 7-0. and um, You know, certainly I'm seeing 4-0 right mean- out the no, no, no. I'm talking in general. You mean for you the know, first seven at, games? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you said seven. But then I'm I was not, like, in but regards then, to but what? Because the, there's more than seven. I'm games. sorry. I just meant seven zero. Their entire their entire schedule. Um, looking at it, I certainly think they go four zero. Can they beat Kentucky? Yeah, they'll beat Vandy. They could beat Auburn, and and then you're looking at it and you're going LSU, A and M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. They could beat Auburn. I think they could lose the last five games. So it'd be really crazy to think this team could go seven and zero and then lose their next five and, and go under the seven and a half. I'm going to go under the seven and a half. I think they could beat an LSU. I don't see them winning any of those last four games against A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, or Mississippi state. 
this team is hard to get a read on. Um, last year, I didn't think they were all that good of a team, but they had the best quarterback, arguably behind Bryce Young in the conference, at least maybe not from a statistical standpoint, from, but just from a leadership standpoint. You always knew you had a chance to win with Matt Corral. Um, and that's always a comforting thing. Their defense was much improved. Um, I'm going blank. I think it was uh, DJ Durkin was their D coordinator, came over from Maryland after that whole travesty and just, you know, ugly situation going down there. Um, they lose him. He he goes over to A&M, so they have to break in a new D coordinator. Um, you know, if from what the rumors I've been hearing, if Jackson Dart is not the guy, that certainly scares me. I'm not as high on that kid. Uh, the, I think he's going to be a sophomore this season. Um, who backed up Crow last year, came in and had some some good throws in in the game against, uh, who was that, Baylor, but just really couldn't, you know, just you could tell it needs a lot of work. <clears throat> Certainly Michael Trigg, who came over from USC, I'm hearing great things about him at the tight end position. He could be a weapon that they could utilize. And then they do get Zach Evans. Now, listen, this guy can stay out of trouble. This guy has a chance to light the SEC on fire. Now, the offensive line ain't going to be good, so can he find the creases? I don't know, maybe, but I mean, you get this kid in open space and this kid will make you pay. He is that special. Um, so if you're really looking at the quarterback spot, I'm going to take the under seven and a half. I can get them to seven wins. I, I can get them to eight, but it would take two games. It would take an upset in the game that I just don't see them winning. Um, but certainly this is a team that a lot of people have pegged to be potentially, you know, repeat what Michigan state did last year because they did bring in so many transfers. Um, so, you know, a lot of question marks here. I see some improvement on the defensive side of the ball. I think though, when you lose a guy like Corral, you take a step back. I don't care who you bring in. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a seven win, six win team. Um, and so I'll take the under, but that number, I, I love that number. That number is pretty spot on. All right. Well, just a few more teams here. Let's turn our attention to South Carolina. If I was not a Georgia fan and they didn't scare the crap out of me because back when Spurrier was there, you know, we'd be known to be tripped up by them. I would be loving this South Carolina team. I like Shane Beamer a lot. He's fun. They have the transfer quarterback in Spencer Rattler. We'll see what he's able to do. Uh, I was I just started watching I mean I've seen past seasons but you know football seasons here but it's not quite here there's not a lot of good content on yet so I was watching QB1 Spencer season Pierce um you know he had a lot of promise he had a lot of a fanfare around him when he went to Oklahoma obviously it didn't go necessarily as expected or as planned um but he's still a really good athlete. Um, and I think if he gets in a situation where he's not having to look over his shoulder necessarily, because even in high school he was, uh, he had to look over his shoulder at his backup who was really good too. It'll be interesting to see if that pressure being taken off of him alleviates and makes him find a second gear or whether he thrives off of having to prove himself. Who knows? We shall see in that regard. South Carolina had a great first year with Shane Beamer's first campaign as the head coach in Columbia. They win, to cap it all off, they win the Duke Mayo Bowl 38-21 to over North Carolina. That being said, there's still room for, for improvement. A loss to Georgia, a loss to Tennessee, and a loss to AM, all in blowout fashion. And then, of course, uh, a major a shutout loss to Clemson, their in-state rivals, Maybe things get better for them. Five and a half is their over-under. I'm looking at their – let's look at their uh, schedule, I should say. Georgia State should be a win. 
at Arkansas. That's going to be a tough one versus Georgia. So you could be two and three to, or two and one to start the season, but then you get Charlotte, South Carolina State, Kentucky. So those could be bounce backs. A and M, uh, that's probably a loss. Mizzou, Vanderbilt, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson. I mean, I'm looking. At, I mean, I think they're going bowling again this year. Pierce five and a half. That actually feels more than doable to me. Their games that they're going to lose, they're going to lose, and the games that they're going to win, they're going to win. If they can get an upset or two, then we're looking at an even better season. And with some stability and an actual arm at QB, maybe, just maybe, they're going to shock some people. At the very least, you'd like to not see the losses be such blowout fashion. Um, and I think that's Shane Beamer's next move. But, you know, this, the Spencer Rattler play, to me, is more of a let's get some recruiting momentum going. Let's get somebody who, like I said, can provide some stability. Give us a little bit of edge and uh, keep us closer in those games. And then let's go recruit the hell out of the South. Um, what are your thoughts on the 2022 South Carolina Gamecocks and their five and a half over under win total? I'm I'm spot on. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. I think this is uh, I think this is a six seven win team. I'm going to take the over here. Um, you know, I think they've got six pretty pretty good winnable games. They certainly have a, a gauntlet at the very end with at Florida, Tennessee, and then at Clemson. I think those are all three losses. Um, Arkansas, Georgia, and Kentucky are going to be tough too. I think they win against Arkansas or Kentucky, like you said. Um, and then they have AM, which, you know, they could play AM well. I think this, I think we're, we're, you know, at first when Spencer Rattler transferred over to South Carolina, it was like, a, huh, what are we doing here? That's a weird move. And then he started to get hyped up. And I started to go, what are we looking at? He was terrible last year. He got benched. And now it's kind of people have kind of gone, okay, well, maybe South Carolina is just going to be, you know, what they were last year. And I'm starting to think Spencer Rattler is going to be legit. I think a change of scenery is going to do him wonders. Getting out of uh, you know uh, uh, of the Big Twelve, I think will do wonders. I think he's going to revert. I mean, listen, he only had like one, two bad games last year, and and then had like three or four other good games. So you know, I think he has all the tools still. It's not like he lost those tools. He's got a, a pretty good receiving room uh, at South Carolina. It's certainly much improved. He's got a veteran O-line. They usually have a couple running backs, at least, that they can you know, uh, uh, trust to run the ball um, with some power and, 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 and do some good things on the ground there. I think you look at defensively, that's kind of the, the question mark. Five returning starters. They only had six coming back going into last season. So I think this defense will probably be, be, will probably be very similar. You know, when they go up against the likes of a Georgia or, an, you know, a, a Tennessee, they're going to struggle to stop those units, you know, but at the same time, if you don't have a pass happy, you know, really good passing offense, I think, uh, I think this team can hang with the likes of AM and Clemson and, and those type of teams. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but on offense, I think you're going to see at least a seven, seven point, maybe touchdown improvement from last season. So this offense taking a step up might give them an opportunity to upset, you know, an A&M or an Arkansas um, if their defense or if the other team's offensive unit, you know, struggles a little bit more than than normal. So I, I, I'm going over here. I like South Carolina this season. I think they're going to be they're going to compete in a lot more of those tough games this year than they did last year, um, because that's the thing. They won the games they should have and they had a, an upset or two. But, you know, then they went and played the likes of Georgia and whatnot, and they had no business being on the field with them. I think you'll see a, a team that is able to compete a little bit better with the likes of a Georgia and a Clemson, um, you know, this season as compared to last season. So I like the South Carolina team. I think they're, uh, you know, maybe they don't take that huge jump up to an eight or nine win team, but I could realistically see them getting the seven, maybe eight wins with with an arc upset of Arkansas and A&M. Two more teams to talk about. One East, one West. First up, 
Tennessee. A lot of people making a lot of noise about this Tennessee team, Pierce. I mean, it is crazy to see. And I'll say this. They were better last year. I'm not ready to pull the whole Texas we're back type situation. But, hey, Tennessee, we're decent again. I don't necessarily think that this team is going to break down all the walls in the East and and, and win it this year. Are they going to knock on the door? Yeah, they're going to have a lot better of a season. Um, to your point that you said earlier, the state that you live in, you think that that's they're going to finish second in the East. Um, Josh Heupel, he has he said it when he took the job. He said we're going to put up points, we're going to give up points. But his, he's playing the same type of Lane Kiffin game where he just wants to outpace the other offense. Um, Hinden Hooker, I mean, a lot of noise being made about him as well. He does have a little bit of Heisman odds. I think he's a good quarterback. We'll see if he stays healthy. We'll see if he's able to deliver on all those things. The thing that scares me if you're a Tennessee fan, what is the most dangerous commodity in college football, Pierce? It's a four-letter word. It starts with H. Hope. Hope. Hope is the most dangerous commodity. You're putting a lot of hope in, and and, and you're listening to that. This is why Nick Saban battles against the rat poison. The rat poison coming out of Knoxville, Tennessee or I guess going into Knoxville, Tennessee from the National Pundits, is scary. That's why I'm really scared to make any kind of bets on what's happening in Tennessee. They could be really freaking good. They could win the East for all we know. They could also go lay a bunch of eggs. Hope is the most dangerous commodity in all of sports, uh, and obviously we're talking college football here. A lot of rat poison, like I said. And you don't necessarily have the easiest of schedules. Seven and a half is what they're over under win total is am i overreacting to all of the overreactions about tennessee or are they gonna be able to back up this this rat poison this oh my gosh they're that good that we're hearing coming from the national media yeah the rat poison is certainly a big thing and when your program is dealing with it under a new regime for the first time it certainly some teams can crumble under that i think tennessee does have one thing going for it this year that i think will help you know negate the rat poison that could infiltrate this program and, 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 you know, bring it crumbling down, not crumbling down, but the season crumbling down as far as they don't re- reach their expectations. And that is hidden hooker is a what fifth, six year senior. When you've got a guy that's that age and, and this is his final year, he probably knows he's not going to, you know, be a long lasting quarterback in the NFL if he even makes a team. So this is it, this is it. And, and I don't think he'll allow his teammates to become complacent and read too much into that. So um, certainly I can, I I could be wrong there. I've been wrong plenty of times. Hell I'll be wrong many times more, but I think having a, 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 an older veteran quarterback like that will certainly be able to, you know, stave some of that off um, from infiltrating this program. I like this team a lot. I mean, man, my only concern is in those games against Alabama and Georgia. Do they have enough defensively? I, I I don't think they do. I don't think they're there yet. I mean, I certainly see them playing well against both those teams, but I think when it comes down to it, they can't stop either of those teams defensively, and that'll be their undoing in those two games. But certainly offensively, you know, when you bring back a veteran QB who had an outstanding season last year, certainly you gotta you gotta you gotta stay healthy if you're in Hooker because uh, I you know what do they have behind him in the way that they trust to go out there and win meaningful games, probably nothing. Um, so his health will be paramount, but you bring back a veteran QB such as hooker. I think he'll put up similar statistics last year. He might take a small step back just because he was so dynamic last year. It's hard to replicate, but he'll be close. If not get to that number, 
They certainly they bring back Cedric Tillman, a thousand yard receiver. That's awesome for 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 a hooker. He's got his go to guy back, and they have a solid O line this year. And and they bring back a top running back in Jabari Smalls. So, um, you know, defensively, I think they will improve. They do bring back nine of twelve, um, you know, of their top tackles return tacklers return from last year's D. But I just don't think they have the guys there. And I think you'll see once they start, uh, you know, having some attrition in regards to health. I think you'll see those backups come in and really struggle. So I think that will be their undoing in a couple games, but I like this team to be right on the, the door of, of 10 wins. I mean, go ahead and pencil Georgia and Alabama as losses. Okay. You're then breaking it down to probably LSU, Florida and South Carolina. And if they win those three games, they're a 10 win team. And those are winnable games. The LSU game does scare me because they've got Alabama on deck but coming off a bye, they ought to be able to outscore LSU. That'll be a fascinating game because in week six to see what LSU is. If LSU is able to, you know, play some solid D and, and put up, you know, 28, 31 points, they could beat the, this Tennessee team, especially at home. But I think Tennessee coming off that bye will be ready, be prepared. So I, I like them to win nine games. What was the over under? Was it eight and a half? Uh, what did I seven say? And seven and a half. Seven and a half. I, I like them to get nine wins. And uh, certainly if they win all three of those winnable games, Florida, LSU, and uh, South Carolina, I like this team to get to 10. I think this is probably, when all is said and done, I think this might be the third best team in the SEC. Oh. Well, this next team might have something to say about that. They also are trying to bring hope to the dance. Texas A&M, our final team of the SEC, will bring it on home with them. They obviously had a phenomenal offseason bringing in the number one and highest rated recruiting class of all time. That being said, that's not what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with still, you know, I think it's funny because it's like we look at that, we're like, well, then they're going to win the national championship. But it's like young guys, not quite ready. They still have some, you know, give it a couple years, guys. Like, And I think that's kind of what Jimbo's doing. Obviously, then they also have the Jimbo Nick Saban uh, feud. But they've backed off of that a little bit. So I don't think – I think that's Sab- or, uh, Fisher going, you know, I don't think this is the year, so we need to make sure that we're not uh, putting our money where our or our uh, money where our mouth is. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I haven't eaten it all today, so I'm starting to lose it. Um, they did have eight wins last year, including that thriller victory over Bama, but that was probably the highest point of their season. Uh, did not get to play in the Gator Bowl because of a COVID outbreak. Uh, they've had some turnover here uh, on the uh, roster, namely within the quarterback room. So we'll see what's going to happen there with Max Johnson and Haynes King. Um, over under win total eight and a half. A lot of people are penciling AM in as the second best team in the West. I'm not quite on that train yet. Give it a year, like I said. There's a reason they went and paid as much money as they could to Jimbo Fisher. There's a reason why, you know. It, Jimbo is getting the best recruiting classes in the nation. They're going to win a national championship. This year's not the year. Give it some time. Uh, that being said, pretty favorable schedule. Sam Houston State, App State, Miami, um, all at home to start off the season. Then they have Arkansas, Mississippi State, before having to go to Bryant-Denny. That game uh, is going to be the CBS game. Go ahead and mark it just because of what happened in this offseason. But I do think that's where the wheels come off for them. Uh, from the East, Pierce, they draw South Carolina and Florida, both very winnable. Um, but that being said, eight and a half, maybe spot on. It's about what they did last year. So you're looking at an improvement. I don't think that's unheard of. I think they do improve. 
but there's still so, a lot of question marks around there that I'm not I'm not totally set on them having this like phenomenal season. I still I still think that you know they're a year or two out, but maybe I'm wrong. What are your thoughts here with uh, Texas A&M? Am I am I stupid or am I right? Like give it another year. Uh, you're not stupid. Um, I think you're spot on actually in regards to this season. Um, I think where you might be slightly off is I don't think it's a shoe in by any stretch of the imagination that this team will win a natty in the next few years. Listen, no, we I'm know not it. saying that we either. know it. Hold on. Wait, we just know- cause I need it on the record. I'm not <laughs> saying I, I did say it. I do. I do think it's possible. Like I think that Jimbo knows how to do that, right? Like he knows how to, they're getting phenomenal recruiting classes, but they're always going to have to play Alabama. And then, so I got a question. If they for get you. through Alabama and make it to the SEC championship, they're probably going to have to play Georgia. And if they're not playing Georgia, it's because somebody's recruiting better and doing better than Georgia is right now, which is even scarier. So they're always going to have an uphill battle. Something that he didn't necessarily have at FSU because Clemson was still kind of down. They hadn't quite yet made it yet when he was at FSU. And we saw how he folded under pressure once he started losing at FSU. So if they don't win it in the next couple of years. I think that they're going to sour on Jimbo, but I do think that they could be happening. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that Jimbo Fisher is worth all that money? No, but I mean, how many uh, current coaches have won a national championship who are still coaching? Is it four? Fair. That's fair. I think I can make the argument. In fact, I know I can make the argument that Jimbo Fisher is not a great coach. Ooh, okay. I he like won that a as national an championship fan. with maybe one of the, maybe the best quarterback of the last twenty years. Think about that, and he could only win one. He had him for another couple of years. Now I know a lot of other things have to go right to win a national championship um, and all that, but you could also argue he you could bring in another just very average coach, and with how they're spending money, they could save a lot of money on the coach and spend it more on recruiting and get just as good of recruits. So I think when you look at this team, Jimbo, the only season that he, you know, won that he and, and those like three years where he was really that, you know, FSU was on top of the world. He had one of the greatest quarterbacks of the last 20 years there outside of that. He has not done crap. He won 10. He won. What was it? 10 wins. He, I think he got double digit wins in the COVID year where there were no fans. And it was just a weird, odd, strange year in general. This team is good. They have an unbelievable amount of talent. They do return. They do do. They do have to replace some people off last year's team. Certainly. But until it's a lot of the same things that people have said for, for the last five, six, seven years with Georgia, they have everything that it takes, but until they get a quarterback, they have no chance to win the big one until they get a quarterback. And I don't think they have it on that roster this year. I mean, if you're going to have Max Johnson transfer in, as I know it was more to get his brother who's a tight end, which I've heard he doesn't look all that good. Um, just big, slow white guy. Um, but I could be wrong there. Certainly the youngsters have a big learning curve, so he could he could turn it around quickly. But if you feel like you have to bring in a Max Johnson, you ain't got any t- – you, you don't have a legit starter on that team that you can trust to win 10, 11, 12 games. So I, I think you're looking at an 8-9 win team uh, team this season. I think that's – perpetually what Jimbo has done without having one of the elite quarterbacks, you know, in, in, in the history of college football. And I think that's, what's going to happen this year because they don't have it. Um, you know, when you break it down a little further, you know, 
they do have 11 returning starters. They did have the number one recruiting class in the history of college football last season, but those kids are babies. They're babies. Certainly some of them will compete this year. Certainly more will start playing as the season goes along and they get, they, they're no longer freshmen. Um, they only return six starters on offense. I think that's a little bit sketchy for a team that doesn't have great QB play. I think you need great QB play to, to overcome losing, you know, more than just three or four starters. Um, so again, it hinges on the QB defensively. They lose Elko to Duke. They do bring in DJ Durkin, but it's a little bit different philosophy. I believe they only return five starters. So I think they do take a slight step back. And that was the only reason that they won as many games as they did last year. And their defense was still a little bit suspect. You know, when they had those games where their offense couldn't produce anything a la at Ole Miss, they couldn't stop Ole Miss either. So I think there's a lot more there to shore up than than a, a lot of people maybe are leading the general public to to believe. Um, I mean, certainly when you look at the the roster of players that they have that are potential, you know, preseason uh, all conference players, they have a lot. But I'm just I'm just a little worried that they're getting propped up because of some of these recruiting classes. And 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 again, I hate to you know beat a dead horse, but. They don't have a QB that they can trust. They they're putting. They certainly are praying that this Wigman kid, who was a fringe four, fringe five star guy, can can be you know the guy. But if you haven't, which I haven't heard anything about him being, oh my god, this guy is flashing. Doesn't bode well for this season. Now certainly he could get better next year, um, but you know I I just don't see it this year. The one interesting thing that I, I I'm curious to think to see what you think about this. They have a pretty manageable schedule the back half of the season. They have a gauntlet from week three into week six. I don't see them losing all four of those games. I think it's it's very difficult for a team with the talent of AM to lose four games in a row. But I think they probably should lose those four games. Do you think a team that's as talented as AM can lose four games in a row? Mm, are they all at home? Are they all away? So they go, they they play Miami, and it looks like at home, or maybe that's a neutral site, I'm not sure. But I think Miami beats them, because Miami's going to score points. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas, certainly they're probably a little better than Arkansas, but Arkansas has their number. For whatever reason, they play that game at Jerry World. Right. And for whatever reason, how many times have you seen A&M go in there and, and just get beat up? So I certainly don't think that's a, that's, you know, a, a win for them. It's a toss-up. They go to Mississippi State with the mm-hmm. Cowbells, and Mississippi State's played them well over the years. They're, I think they're both 5-5 five and five against each other. And then they go to Alabama, so that could be a look-ahead spot. It's an interesting question because I don't see them losing four in a row, but those are four games that they should lose, in my opinion. Yeah, it could happen. So, you know, I see them, I see them getting to Miami, Arkansas, or Mississippi State, one of those three. So I think they do get to nine wins. I'm taking the over here. But I think they're going to be right in that eight and four, nine and three spot. And at the end of the season, their fans are going to be looking around going, again, again, mm-hmm. you know, at least because I compare them to Georgia under Kirby Smart for the first four years, you know, and I think it's a very fair and great comparison. But let me also say this. The question mark was the same as AM. When can they get that quarterback? Because they are elite at so many other positions. But what did Georgia do? Georgia was winning 10, 11 games. In those four seasons, AM can't get to that 10 win mark. They're eight and four, nine and three every year, it seems like. So 
maybe it's a little unfair to compare them to Georgia. Maybe those Georgia teams were slightly better, but I think this AM team is certainly on the right path. If they keep recruiting, getting you know, paying all these players and getting top recruiting classes, you're right. They will eventually win a national championship, but they got to find that QB. And until they do so, this team will be a perpetual eight and th- eight and four, nine and three team. Well, there you go. That is our thoughts on the SEC. Went really long with this one. As you can tell, we have lots of thoughts and feelings about this conference. It just so happens to be where we grew up and the teams that we've paid the most attention to. Uh, Hey, if you are not subscribed, please go ahead and do that. That would mean a lot to us. We are available uh, on the Purple Podcast app, Spotify, all of the places, pretty much all the places you can find a podcast, at least the big Major ones, make sure you are following us on Instagram and Twitter at BraggingPod. That is bragging without the G. And uh, stay tuned. Next week, we will have a predictions episode. We're going to go through what we think is going to happen, who's going to win each side of each conference, who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win the Heisman, who's going to win it all. And we will have a way for you guys to get involved as well. We are going to be rolling out a Pick'em pool for the first time ever in uh with the brag and pod community so make sure you are following us on social media so you don't miss that make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the episode we roll it all out we'd love for you guys to be involved um that is going to do it for us here this week with bragging rights i am madison and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all